Welcome once again to Reenchanting, the show where we aim to show how our world could be reenchanted from its post-Christian secular view of life to perhaps something that resembles the Christian vision of reality. And we do that with all kinds of interesting guests. I'm Justin Briley and this is Belle Tyndall. Belle, who have we got on the show today? Today we have Milton Jones, who probably needs no introduction. By the way, no other guest has ever had a woohoo from Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I saved that for you. We're we're peaking, so you probably need no introduction, but I'll give you one anyway. Um, Milton is, of course, the award-winning stand-up comedian, broadcaster, author, and Mock the Week legend. Uh, You may have caught him on Live at the Apollo, Michael McIntyre's Comedy Roadshow, or his very own BBC Radio 4 show. Thanks a lot, Milton Jones. He is the king of the one-liners and the crafter of the 10-second sermon. So we are going to be chatting to Milton about his life, his comedy, his Christian faith, and discussing the relationship between God and laughter. Yes, we are re-enchanting laughter on the show today. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope you could do produce a few laughs in in the course of the show, Milton. Um, But we always start with the same signature question as we're on top of Lambeth Palace Library. What are you currently reading? Uh, I don't read very fast, literally, um, in every sense. Um, But I normally have two or three books open. Mm -hmm. Mm. So at the moment, we've got uh, the autobiography of Billy Connolly. Oh, nice. Windswept and interesting. Uh, I'm just finishing Rory Stewart's um, Politics on the Edge. A a guest in this season. Yes, I hear. Very enchanting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've just started Ian McEwan's Lessons. Oh, three so. great books. Wow. What a, cult- done. what a cultured person yeah. you are. Um, <laughs> I, do, you, do you read many other comedians' books? Uh, it's quite rare for me to read right. other comedians' books. It feels like Busman's Holiday, frankly. Yeah. And I'm either jealous of what they've done <laughs> or I'm angry that it got published. So <laughs> either way, uh, same for TV, really, and stuff. Yeah. But uh, actually, normally there would be a football biography in there as well. Oh, OK. That's sort of my escape. OK. Um, what's, what's your team then? Arsenal. Right. Very good. I, I have nothing to say because okay. football is an area yeah. completely opaque to me. But sure, that, that's, no, that's, that's uh, good. That's good, good thing. I don't really support him, but the closest one probably is Tottenham. Ooh. I know. It's a good job we're on opposite ends of the table. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been nice to meet you all. <laughs> when I say support, it's very loose. Yep. I lived there for like four months, owned it and yeah, yeah. left. Yeah. I've done a few football shows, you know, like Soccer AM, that mm. kind of oh, thing. Yeah. And I've never had such vitriolic feedback <laughs> on anything. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you make a joke about another team, yeah. it's sort of... Oh, Right. Okay. I mean, what do you expect? But... Yeah. So we've obviously had Frank Skinner on yeah. the show in the previous season, um, big football fan. Um, do, do, does football come up frequently on the comedy circuit between uh, different not comedians? Not as frequently as you might think, because obviously uh, Frank did uh, a TV show that was for football fans. Yeah. Uh, and I feel you lose half the audience <laughs> okay. if you do something specific about football. Uh, it has to be about someone like David Beckham or yeah. Wayne Rooney, who's broken through into culture. Yeah, sure. popular culture. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you do something about football that's very specific, 
Yeah, a lot of people yeah. won't understand. They'll it. tune out. Mm. Yeah, I think both of us would be in that half of the audience. Definitely, right. yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. David Beckham. I know who he is. That's why. <laughs> um, I think he's retired. <laughs> when, when and how did you realise that you were particularly funny, Milton? Ah, uh, I met someone from primary school not so long ago, uh, sort of out in the street, and I hadn't met them since you know I was six. And they said to me, oh, I remember you. You had ginger hair. I had gingery hair oh, in nice. those days. Yeah. And you didn't say much, but when you did, it was quite funny. And I hadn't actually realised that my sort of joking front had gone all the way back that far. Mm. Um, but I think because I'm an introvert by nature, I sort of had this feeling that when I do eventually say something, it should be notable. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I think, and also... My parents had a good sense of fun. My, I've one brother. We were always mucking about. It was a, a house of, of faith, yes, but um, a lot of jokes. Mm. Mm. So um, that was the culture I came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think there are two types of comedian. There's a comedian that's on all the time. Mm -hmm. Joke, 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 which is great for about 20 minutes. But don't share a car with them, whatever no, yeah. you do. <laughs> and then there's the more schizophrenic type, which I think I am, where I'm one person on stage, one person mm -hmm. off stage. Mm -hmm. In fact, originally I wanted to be an actor right. and uh, I couldn't get any work as an actor. No one else wanted me to be an actor. So I turned to stand-up so that directors and producers would have somewhere to see me. Right. And uh, gradually that began to take over. I just mm. kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And after a while I thought, well, actually, this might be better because I, it's just me. I get all the money. I drive myself around. I could do more than one show in a night. Mm -hmm. And at that time, fortunately, clubs were opening up. Yeah. Stand-up was becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. So it ended up taking over. You hit the wave. Indeed, yes. I was lucky in that department. I mm. mean, you say that like comedy is something that's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a list of my top 10, I don't know, most terrifying professions, comedy would be right up there at number one. Like, what was it within? It must be hard, as particularly at the beginning. Sure, and the the analogy that people use is it's like learning a musical instrument, except you do all your practice in public. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, exactly. So uh, you have to have an emotional mm. desperation to do it. Mm -hmm. Sure. I really want to do it. Yeah. And we say loads of funny people give up. Yeah. Really talented people mm. because of the emotional damage. But it's like, uh, I don't know, practising for karate or something. If you bang your hand enough on a board, eventually it goes completely numb. Oh, okay. So if you do it enough mm. and get used to failing in public, and I think it was Joe Brando or someone saying recently, that's part of the deal of becoming a stand-up. doesn't matter what level you're at. Mm. In the next six months, there will be a dreadful gig. Right. Just will be. Right. And you'll be in the wrong place at the wrong time. What's the term for when you basically completely tank on stage? Is it just like you die on stage or yeah, something? Yeah, dying. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 when was the last time that happened? Well, the trouble is your bar goes up a bit, right? Uh, and quite often they're at corporate events mm. because uh, you're paid to come in. You're one of seven or eight things that are happening that evening. Maybe the evening's running late. Maybe the chairman has got up and talked for half an hour, and no one's listened to him. Sure. So you think, well, if you're not going to listen to your boss, what chance have I got? Um, I did a gig two or three years ago. I think it was the, the Cardiff Retail Awards. 
stuck in my mind. <laughs> and uh, just before I went on, someone said, you know they don't speak English, yeah? <laughs> and so I went on with my English wordplay. And the sound guy thought it was funny. Yeah. But I was there for half an hour just talking in a big room. And That's on, as a Welsh person, I can say that's on the Welsh. That's not yeah, on yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's I, their yeah. bad, come on. Yeah, I like to think so. But just you've got to come to terms with that, though, yeah. that you will be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, yes, there are some there are some times that it's not your fault. And then also sometimes you self-sabotage. Oh. Well, you don't mean to ruin the evening for everyone. However, if something happens in the room, you have half a second to think. And the worst thing you can do with a heckle or um, someone interjecting is ignore it right. because it looks like you don't know how to deal with yeah. it. So the best thing, take a breath and come back with something, depending. Mm. Now, over the years, I've found it's best to try and engage people in conversation right. because they've usually spent 10 minutes thinking, oh, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to, and you, they say it. Oh. And then you engage them in conversation and now, now yeah. it's completely equal. And, they need another 10 yeah, minutes to reply. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... I've learned that, but to begin with, either you go in too hard and you're too aggressive and the people go, mm, that's mm, too much, mm. or you say something that's on top of your head, off the top of your head, and it's inappropriate, or you mention redundancy in passing and the whole room freezes and you oh. realise, oh, no, I stumbled on something oh, no, that I shouldn't right. have. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. And so you begin to slide down, oh, you gosh. know. Yeah. Um, uh, this is why I would find it terrifying. It's like it's like it's, it feels like a minefield that yeah, you're potentially yeah. entering yeah. when you enter that live situation. Sure, and it, I'm, they say it's to do with your flight and fight... Um, Response, you know, responses yeah, yeah. and all that sort of thing. But the worst that can happen is that no one laughs. Uh-huh. Mm. Now, that is bad yeah. for you. But actually, if you're a doctor or some other yes, thing, you know, there, there are, are a lot outcomes. of worse things that can happen. <laughs> true, yeah. I mean, it's easy to internalise that mentally but uh, and difficult to live through it. But if you do it enough and you've got another gig in two days' time, you're probably going to forget it. Yeah. Have you got a favourite heckle? Uh, favorite heckle. I mean, sometimes people are aggressive, and, and that doesn't bother me. I've had two heckles which are really difficult to deal with. Mm. Yeah, go on. The first one is, "What is this?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very open-ended question. It's too existential. <laughs> it's like, where do I begin? Uh, you mean, you mean, why are we here? What? <laughs> So, I mean, I laughed and it was funny and the audience thought it was funny, but that, that's quite a good heckle. That's, yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, you can take that in lots of different directions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other one was, these are just words. Oh, again. <laughs> again. Quite Correct. That's quite a philosophical yeah, yeah, was, sort of yeah, opener. Right. Yeah. Do you remember yes. where these gigs were? Were they in Oxford by any chance? Or, no, uh, I, I, I've, or... I've wiped that out, I'm afraid. But the, the, the words are very much there. And yeah, I bet. I think if I ever write a book, you know, about comedy out of it what is this or these are just these words, are just words. <laughs> it would be a good joke book yeah it, it would yeah. Well, yeah. what's wow. your your main style would you say because I, I, I when i look around at different stand-up comedians they, they tend to have a particular mm. way of engaging uh i'm known as part of the one line of brigade right. for a number of us and uh to get away with one-liners <laughs> you need to have a, a misdirection mm -hmm. like uh for tim vine it's Showbiz, yeah. it's like, I've got yeah. these jokes and here's another one. You might not look yeah. da, 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 da. For Jimmy Carr, it was more of a character thing, although he's sort of broken out of mm. that mm. now. Um, uh, Gary Delaney, who, who does one-liners, it was more 
uh, the, here are some jokes. You might like some of them, mm. you know, whereas I um, stick my hair up and, and act a character. In yeah. fact, when I started off as trying to be an actor, I, I think I did one-liners because it was, I was so scared mm. when I was on stage. I needed to get to the joke as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah. And if you do enough of those, that you end up with one-liners. And then you get known for that and, and so on. Um, so, yeah, I'm known as a one-liner person now. But quite surreal. Yes, it. there's an edge to it. It wasn't yeah. until I started creating a world for this person, right. sticking my hair up and having a weird shirt yeah. uh, that was a signpost to say I'm coming from left field, uh-huh. uh, that people went, I don't know, there's something about going to Romford on a Friday night, to a nightclub, and if you walk on as a middle-class person, <laughs> clearly from the home counties... <laughs> go right this bloke better be really funny yeah however if you stick your hair up and put on a hawaiian shirt yes it's he's mad he's mad so he's not a threat (laughs) so we just listen to what he says for another 30 seconds while we laugh at his face so that helped me right so it's it's a kind of a costume that you put on um but it helps to kind of just engage the audience what's is there a sort of framework a kind of set of rules that you kind of go in with when it comes to the the one-liner kind of approach to comedy? Uh, I don't know about rules because I think most comedians do what works. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and interestingly, or perhaps not interestingly, we're not directed. Mm. We just tend to go down the, the route of least resistance. Uh-huh. And the other thing about when you become a bit more successful is people want more of similar but not the same. So you've always got to write, but you're writing within a genre that you've become known for. And my, one of my problems is wanting to get out of that sometimes. And the new show is going to have longer jokes. Ah. There will be one-liners in it, but there will be like whole paragraphs of speaking first sometimes. <laughs> what I've learned with that so far is it better be really funny when you get to yeah. the end because, <laughs> yeah, we've waited. Because uh, at least you can throw in a few s- less... Yes. Good jokes, you uh-huh. know, if they're, if they're uh-huh. quick. Yes. Uh, so in terms of rules and stuff, most comedians go around life reverse engineering words, experiences. Mm. So that's funny. How can I make it funnier? Right. Exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's getting it down to the, I'll, I'll stare at a word like Irish. I'll stare at that word, Irish, yes. Irish, Irish. Mm-hmm. Play it around almost like a crossword clue. The word iris is in it already. Right. How could I turn that round so that it made... So I play with it, play with it, and sometimes I have an idea for seven or eight years on my computer going, there's something in there. I know there's something in there. I know there's something in it. <laughs> and then maybe when people actually start to pay for tickets of a new tour, I go, I need to make something of this now. Mm. And uh, is it my aunt? Is my aunt called Iris? Is she Irish? And in the end, it turns out to be... Um, my aunt is almost Irish. Her name's Iris. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it works like that. Yeah. Like, it's almost as if I've meditated so right. much yeah. on it. Okay. I, I get it down to seven words. Wow. Yeah. And then you try it out and that works. <laughs> Unfortunately, with one-liners, that only fills 10 seconds. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and it might have been eight years of work. Yeah, that went yeah, into yeah it. absolutely. Yeah. And in a, in a show of an hour and 10 minutes, say... I've got 200 to 250 one-liners. Mm. So I need a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the laughs are long. <laughs> yes. 
just to, so I've made a rod for my own back in the sense of uh, I need a lot of one-liners. But if I go on to radio or TV and I've only got thirty seconds, I could do three. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that that's handy. But things like yeah. mock the week. Yeah. That was great because yeah. straight up to the microphone, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. But yeah. then I burnt all that stuff. Oh, did you? Well, like I couldn't really use it again. Sure. Yeah. Too big of a platform. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and not for a while anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Think of another name that's nearly yeah, Irish. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work so well as Wales. <laughs> and can I just confirm that when those comedians on that show, which sadly is no longer airing, but go up to that mic... They have a planned all of those. They have planned all those jokes in advance, right? I always say Mock the Week was like a syllabus. Well, you've got a sort of massive wadge of paper beforehand right. of all the possible things that could happen. Uh-huh. And uh, you hoped that what you'd revised... Came up. Came <laughs> up, yes. In the exam. And, yeah. I right. mean, obviously it depended what was in the news to okay. some extent. Right. Uh, what came up. And basically anything that didn't involve certain death was mm-hmm. going to come up. Okay. So you could work it out, but the biggest problem with the scenes at the end was that there were six of us and the first two or three people would cover it right. often. So you better come up with increasingly obscure stuff mm. to get away with it. And you could feel even if a subject came up, there was something about people stealing Monopoly sets, I remember came up <laughs> once, and you could feel... Everyone going for the same joke, which was, um, did he get out, uh, get out of jail free card? Right. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you could feel everyone home and, like, and someone got it out. Ah, so ah, nice. so it was, there were lots of things like that, mm. that you were effectively in competition. Mm. And I think most of what I said on Mark the Week was, <laughs> which wasn't always in the show. No. But it was just the frustration. Yes. I mean, I was lucky in that sense that, my style was slightly different. Yeah. And, you know, someone would say number one thing and someone would say number two thing and someone would say number three thing and I would say pheasant. And that would be the end <laughs> of the round. And that would be fine. Yeah, That's that, Milton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the editor used to like it because it was, some, it was a point to go, right, well, yeah. we can't do anything else, so let's yeah, move on. Sure. You know? So uh, it worked for me, even though I'm not really a political or a topical <laughs> person. Yeah. Can you enjoy other people's comedy or do you find yourself like trying to work out the inner workings of what they've done and how they've done it yes it's like any business if you're involved in a business you sort of you know what it's like from the inside and you go and quite often you go but i I was working on a thing and you've nailed it fair enough (laughs) quite often tim vine and i phone each other up and say have you got a bit about Uh, just so you don't happen to both tread the same territory kind of thing yes for sure or also if you listen to a lot of comedy it's quite hard to tell. Sometimes an idea comes to you quite mm. easily. Mm. It's probably the same with writing and stuff. Okay, yeah. did I think of that, or is you know? Yeah, or is that lodged in there yeah, from someone yeah. else? Yeah, so it's good to check around. And there's a lot, you know, people do next stuff as well. So it's good to check around and to be seen to check around. Right. Okay. You know, when you you have a new show or a new joke, or because sometimes it does form fully made into your brain there's a problem and then you realise that you wrote it years ago (laughs) oh no I'm just repeating myself have you got a at the risk of just asking you your favourite of everything I'm just so intrigued because some of your one liner quips are so iconic but do you Mm. have one that you're really proud of (sighs) apart from the Irish Irish yeah I know well yeah that's just random I mean I think you're you're always working on 
the things you're working on at the moment, yeah. oh, where you got to laugh for the first time last time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure. trying to think what that was. I think maybe it was um, uh, when you get home tonight, ladies and gentlemen, give your relatives a hug because it makes it harder for them to punch you. <laughs> that that yeah. got a laugh last time. So good, yeah, right? Good. That's yeah. that's in the show. Yeah. You know, so, uh-huh. okay. So it's a nice thing to end on for yeah. everyone. Yeah. 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 Um, but there were certain iconic jokes. That get, one of the, the earliest that sort of went, pe- oh, he's the guy with that joke. Right. Mm. It was, uh, my auntie Marge has been ill for so long, we've changed her name to I can't believe she's not better. And, you know, people, <laughs> you were the auntie Marge guy. Yeah, yeah. So, but okay, that was like 25 yeah. years ago. Right. You know? It still works. We, mm. it, it, you know, I can't believe it's not better. It's, I don't know if they even sell that anymore, but I still, no. still recognise that, that joke, that line. Yes. Very good. What came first in your life, um, comedy or Christianity? Uh, well, in terms of knowing about it, uh, I was born into a Christian home mm-hmm. and my parents went to church and uh, the idea of God was very much in our heads. But as I said, it was a, it was a happy home. It was uh, full of laughing and stuff. And yes, we said our prayers by the side of our bed, but it usually ended in a pillow fight. Right. You know, so it, it wasn't... Uh, a strict, nasty mm. upbringing. Uh, I've pre- previously described their growing up in a Christian home as a bit like being exposed to the antidote before you know what the poison is. <laughs> oh, that's good. You know, that um, you wonder why all these things, mm. are, people do this stuff. Yeah. Mm. And it's not until you sort of start your own journey on your own mm. that you go, oh, I, mm, mm. yeah, maybe. Or even when you have kids, mm. you know, you just think, well, what am I passing on to them? And uh, we all come to a place, don't we? We have to say, well, what am I going to do about this or not? And I did that. And uh, I found that my life began to take off in other ways right. as a result of that. There, there wasn't a period of teenage rebellion, you know, casting it all off for I a while? I think once or... I cycled home from youth group without my lights on. Ooh. You, yeah, you rebel. Yeah, but perhaps it's still to come. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Well, the, but there was a sort of thing because uh, certainly my mother was born in Northern Ireland and quite a strict mm. brethren background. Right. Mm. And uh, the idea of me finding work in rooms next to pubs was quite difficult for her. Okay. Uh, to be fair, they let us go and you know do our own thing, mm. and mm. Uh, I think she was a bit worried. Yeah. Maybe justifiably, I don't know. No. Um, so, you know, sometimes you see singers interviewed and they say, I, I learned to sing in the church. Mm. Well, in a way, I learned not to do stand-up, uh, stand-up in the church, but I, I learned how to stand up yeah. and yeah. do sketches and yeah. read stuff and do youth group concerts right. and all that. Mm. So I sort of feel like uh, it gave me a boost. And, yeah. and I've always felt there is some overlap between a really good preacher and a really good stand-up comedian. Yes, that's true. Although I was thinking about that the other day, because sometimes the vicars or church leaders say to me, "You know, how could I make my yes. sermons a bit more humorous?" Oh, like, humorous. Give, me, give me a gag about well, Matthew. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think they're two different things. They look okay. very similar. Uh-huh. They look, you know, yeah. like a person addressing an audience and trying to communicate something. But a church leader is supposed to bring God to people, God's voice in some way. Mm. That's what they're supposed. To. And if they can get as a, you know, a byproduct, they can make them laugh. That's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Comedians, it's the other way around. Right. You know, 
you're employed to make people laugh. That's mm -hmm. that's your job to mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I could make people think something profound as a byproduct, that would be great. Right. And sometimes I think what what preachers want to do is to stamp on a joke or two. And the danger of that is that people only really remember the joke. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And it wasn't actually connected to right. what they were talking about. Yeah. Mm. So you've made people laugh, you've engaged them, but you've actually made it worse. So I think probably uh, as someone trying to bring God to people, you need to be most of all authentic. Mm. Don't try and be a stand-up comedian if that's not yeah, yeah. your calling. Exactly. Yeah, if yes. you're not a funny person. Right. You know, why should, you know, I've seen plenty of jokes murdered. <laughs> and uh, you need to be authentic because people... The, the thing you're talking about is not to be, is not an act. It yeah. should not be an act. Yeah, yeah. That is the one thing it shouldn't be. <laughs> mm. So try not to have one. Yeah. Mm. Are there ways in which, um, it's really interesting you said how church sort of, I've heard James Acaster say the same thing mm. where he sort of did a lot in church and sure. it sort of led him into this, into what he does now and he's amazing at it. Mm. Um, but are there ways where that has happened in reverse, are there ways in which comedy, your comedy journey, has informed or shed light on certain parts of Christianity? Or, you know, does it work the other way as well? Just to say, James was my support act in 2011-12, so I know him quite well and, yeah. you know, we've talked a lot. Um, could you get him on the Reenchanting podcast? Well, I could see what he, he might not like what he says, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... Uh, does my comedy inform my faith? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clive James once said that, you know, Clive James, the, the writer mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. broadcaster, yeah. broadcaster, yes, um, that comedy is the truth dancing. Mm. And I have enjoyed being part of a community, the comedy community, let's call them, you know, yeah. performers and writers and producers and all who play with the truth. And there's something about mixing in that with that lot. They they see through stuff. Mm. And that, you know, even religious stuff, which I can't really get around. You know, <laughs> they will say things about church or uh, the way so-and-so acts, who is a Christian, that they tend to nail stuff. Mm -hmm. And I like being part of that industry. Mm. Um, it keeps you on your toes. Um, but I quite like to try and take some of that into church sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, the, the telling it how it is, mm -hmm. as opposed to everyone being very, very nice all the time. And okay, I'm sort of, it's my job and I have to do it, but um, a bit more authenticity in church from... The, a lot of the sermons I remember or things people have stood up and said have been painfully honest mm. Mm. and sometimes when you're with performers the best show is the one where they're, they're horribly honest yes and uh, it's that truth dancing thing mm. that everyone recognizes because it's you know instead of i don't think ricky gervais and co would would of the atheists who are preaching to the converted because mm -hmm. most people in the room don't believe in God. But I think there is a place for that in church as well. You know, when someone gets up and talks about depression yeah. 
or um, what they really feel about something, mm-hmm. it cuts through. Yeah. You know, and I think comedy can do that. However, sometimes I'm asked to go and do church stuff, which you may be coming on to. Um, and the way it's presented is, can you come in the first half, can you do your thing? And in the second half, would interview you about your real faith. Uh, okay. Right? Uh. Now, I always feel slightly awkward about doing that. It's a big gear change for me to do. Yeah. But sometimes I think about it in terms of art, if it's good, deconstructs things. Quite often Christianity wants to construct it all again. Mm-hmm. Because art, if it's good, not my acts especially, but painting, opens up a mystery. Mm. Um, quite often, especially in evangelist, evangelical churches, they want me to, how did you become a Christian? What words yeah, did you use? Yeah, yeah. What would you say to other people in the room? Give us the package, basically. The formula. Yeah, Give yeah, us the secret yeah, formula yeah. so other people can do it. And I've said, although I'm not preaching in the first half, I go, well, it's not that straightforward. Mm. There's a big mystery element to it, and people come by different routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main message to people is what people are like rather than what they're saying. You know, you can't formularize the whole thing. Is it very different doing a gig for a set of Christians to, I don't know, the comedy club or, or wherever? Uh, yes and no. It depends on the room. Quite mm. often you're in a church and all the laughter goes straight up and it's much <laughs> harder work. Um, and sometimes what happens is it's a semi-evangelistic thing. Yeah. And they've invited the kids from the local estate mm-hmm. who are running around and... It's quite difficult because in a club you... People are there for the comedy, yeah. People are there for and you don't want to mess up their yeah. evangelism yeah. <laughs> by being rude to them. So <laughs> they're full of complications. Um, and also often a Christian audience, especially if they've invited people in from the outside, is a real mixture. Mm. It's not a normal audience. No. It's uh, you might have babies crying or... Um, people who've never been in church or theatre before. Mm. And it's quite hard to deal with all that. Well, they take you literally about stuff you're saying. So, Classic Christians. Yeah. <laughs> Taking things literally. Yeah, who'd have thought? <laughs> so it, and also the biggest part is that I don't feel I've got a message for the church. Right. So if my I have a message and I don't have a literal message of words, it's who I am in the whole world. Mm. Sorry, and while I remember, mm. is also Christians have a thing about, well, we're not into celebrity because that's part of the culture. Oh, so-and-so has become a Christian. Get him to our meeting. <laughs> yeah. We've got one. We've got one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and that sort of annoys yeah. me a bit. Yes. And they will, they will be run into speaking at alpha meetings and men's right, breakfast right, forever right. and ever and ever. <laughs> On podcasts and all. Yeah, terrible, isn't it, when you try and get these celebrities like Frank Skinner, for instance, yeah, to come yeah, on yeah. your podcast. Um, speaking of which, um, Frank, Frank, as I said, was, was with us in season two. Um, and he said something that I disagreed with him about. He, he didn't think the Bible was actually that funny. And I said, I, I think that if you kind of got into the culture and behind the language, you'd probably find Jesus was actually 
telling quite funny stories. I don't know what can you can you resolve this one for us? Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, I think if you see comedy that was made twenty years ago, it looks dated. Yes. <laughs> so to go back two thousand years, um, and especially because the the words are so familiar mm. to anyone who goes to church or is in Western society, actually, yeah. Yeah. it's really hard to see them afresh. Mm. So I think actually the onus today is more on Christian artists and artists in general to take down the Lego bricks and to rebuild them mm. in a way that people can understand them now, but using the same bricks, right. not making up their own bricks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult to do, but it's like when someone preaches a sermon, often the bit you wake up with is when they start to talk about their own life or an example of what's happening in this passage in the Bible today. Yeah. It happened, hopefully not in another country that we can't prove. It happened yeah. down the road, yeah. you know, and you go, oh, that was great when he told the story about mm. so-and-so, even though that wasn't a Bible story technically, mm. but it mm. was the same. So it's up to filmmakers and painters and stuff. I mean, I suppose the most obvious is Lord of the Rings or something where, you know, it's good versus bad and it's, it's all straightforward. But you could argue that a lot of Christian messages are in stuff. Mm. And also things like The Chosen, you know, that thing. Mm -hmm. The bits we know already, we go, yeah. Well, I, I go, yeah, I know that. But what's interesting then is it, there was a scene I saw Jesus playing with children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, where they kind of fill right. in some of the gaps. Yes, exactly. Yeah, And obviously that's not the Bible, but it's a pretty good guess. Yes, yeah. That he was like that and it just opens it up and it's in the same spirit Yes, in every way. And that's what we have the potential to do so as we don't get locked down on the words. I, I, I think that's it. For me, it's it's sort of having the freedom yes jesus used shepherds and widows and mm. yeah, yeah whatever those were the the people and mm. the professions around him that he would use to illustrate his stories and sometimes we just stick to those ourselves yeah, even yeah. though none of us have ever met a shepherd sure um so speak for yourself so it, well, i know <laughs> yeah. you, that that's very true <laughs> you're, you're, you're from the, the green hills of wales but the but in a sense yeah, that, you would think that might give us license to just sort of okay, let, let's give this story a contemporary, you know, a sense of of well, what what's that, that equivalent in, you know, is it the person serving you tea down the cafe or whatever? Absolutely, because it's not the Bible we're worshiping. Mm. Hopefully, it's God who wrote the Bible, you know, and that uh, Jesus is the Word of God, and um, it's the spirit of what's behind it. Mm that could even guide you into writing and doing stuff. Nothing's going to be perfect because that was... The other thing I was thinking is it would be another miracle if Jesus spoke the parables completely formed. Mm. Because I know about writing processes and I imagine him going around saying the same ones again mm. and maybe... Mm. Oh, and refining them refining as it goes. Yeah. And I, I know disciples didn't mm. always get the parables, but maybe once they did, going, do you think the ending was better this time? Or, you know, <laughs> workshopping <laughs> the thing. So, yeah, oh, you left out the bit yeah, about the, yeah, the woman who, you yeah. know. 
Yeah. Because that, and, and I think you can even, if you read the Gospels, you will find slight variations yeah. in the way it's told in sure. Mark versus Matthew and Luke and so on. Mm. So, and and as I understand it, I'm you know, you're the scholar on this belt, but it's likely that these were stories and yeah. sayings that were told again and again, which yeah, made yeah. them so memorable that they ended up in this form in, mm. in the Gospels. Yeah, well. storytelling is an, mm. was an art form that was taken much more seriously and mm. memory than the... the memorialising of storytelling was um, they had it down to a fine art. It was a mm. science. Yeah. I never thought of that. Because, in again, another scene in The Chosen is when Jesus is... Um, this is not sponsored by The Chosen, <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah. Is when Jesus is giving this sermon on the mount and he's got one of his disciples, I think it's Matthew, and he's like re- like recounting it on from his sort of scroll or whatever. Right, yes, as yes. if like they've been in this process of working this incredible sermon out. Yeah. And they're kind of like, oh, he nailed it. Yeah, he nailed that line. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he really got that point across. And that was one of my favourite scenes because yes, I'd yes, never yes. thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that has to be... That's more likely. So much more likely. Yeah. And really beautiful mm. really powerful that they happened that way yeah for sure. laughter is mm. is what we're talking about re-enchanting today do do you think sort of laughter has some sort of divine quality to it uh, i would say not all laughter is good right in that i've heard bullying laughter i've heard cynical laughter mm. you know mm. sometimes people speak of it as as if it's all great yeah it's just a reaction mm. and you know, depends what's in the soul, mm. in what way you're going to react. But joy, if that comes out in laughter, that's a great thing. And there's a weird miracle that goes on because we go through life, there are a lot of hard things in life, uh, a lot of disappointments, a lot of difficult things to deal with. And sometimes I'm conscious that jokes that I and others say get a bigger laugh than the joke. Mm. It's like there's a healing process going on mm-hmm. that people let out all that tension that's built up yeah. and we're acting as an air brick of some kind to um, health. Now, I wonder, you know, it, France and Italy don't have the same cabaret system or they have comedy, but it's slightly different. Mm. I wonder if English people, British people are slightly more passive aggressive and they build it all up <laughs> and they need an excuse, yes, you know, to let it all out. And uh, it comes in different ways. It's like if... Even something like Michael McIntyre saying, you know what it's like when you've got a drawer full of stuff or whatever. Going, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I hadn't mm-hmm. been able to find the words. Mm-hmm. I'd, n- I'd never noticed that. But I'm laughing because it resonates. Yeah. Mm. And that there's a joy in that of going, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, mm. and it joins people together because the room's laughing. Go, None of us had talked about that before, but it's true, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And if you can somehow stumble over those things as a performer yeah. and share them with everyone, that can give a healthy kind of joy. I mean, the sort of joy that Tim or I or other one-liners give, if we do, is uh, more a case of daft, sort of silly yeah. uh, cartoons, mm. a bit like mm. playful, childlike, mm. childish cartoons uh, that some people resonate with in a different yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and would make you, next time you see the word Irish, go, ah, oh, yeah. Would remember you'd remember that joke, or you'd see it in a different way. But it, again, it's a, a deconstructing mm. of the things we are familiar with. I, I suppose it makes me think. Yes, the laugh when someone laughs, it's it's almost an involuntary response, mm. right? But as you say, the the subject matter, you you might laugh and then stop yourself because you think, oh, do I want to laugh at that? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so yeah. the question is sort of what. <laughs> I think of you know you know perhaps that those 
quote-unquote edgy comedians, sure. you know, the Dave Chappelle's and yeah, yeah. You know, maybe Ricky Gervais when he's banging on about religion or whatever. It's There's a sense in which there's a kind of a, a, a sort of almost nervous laughter yep. that, that someone might feel. And is that okay? Is that kind of what what are your feelings on the, the the ones who kind of push the envelope in that kind of way when it comes to the what they're trying to make their audience laugh at? Uh, well, sense? it's difficult to put them all into one bracket no, because yeah. you know, and it depends on the joke. Yeah. And what a comedian will always say all down the the decades is it's context, context, context. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the trouble with the um, social media thing, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> Is that it doesn't do tone, right? You know, you just have a, yep. a sentence there, and the Daily Mail will show it to someone and go, mm. "Isn't this terrible?" Um, but you've got to be there, yeah. And it's very easy for Christians or other people to pick up on something someone said and not know the context. Mm. Now, having said that, the context might not help you. <laughs> it might be just as is, and sometimes I think it's deliberately transgressive mm. to say the naughty thing. Mm-hmm. And he, we said the naughty thing. Um, but I've seen some pretty nasty things said that wouldn't look nasty written down. Right. And conversely, I've heard some things that if you wrote them down would look pretty bad. Mm. But they were said in such a way with such a twinkle in the eye that you knew that Right. person didn't really mean it right and was just saying it just to get a or, or that someone's adopting a character sometimes yeah. yeah where you're meant to understand this is ridiculous yes but if you'd simply took it out of context exactly. it could easily yeah. make a daily mail yes. headline absolutely and that's the problem with comedy isn't it it's mm. it's so much you have to be in the moment yes. to understand what's actually being conveyed in that sense yes and we're doing this thing at the moment where people are going back through all social media and stuff. And mm. did you see that thing that Jimmy Carr was interviewed and said, you know, do you think you'll do a tweet in the end that will get you cancelled? Mm. Well, I've probably already done yeah, it. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. um, people are going through your back catalogue. Is it is it becoming harder in that sense to do comedy in, in a slightly more arguably censorious social media age? Yes and no. In the, when I started about 10, 15 years before, it was perfectly acceptable to do Irish jokes and right. racist jokes and sexist jokes. And once alternative comedy came along, those things, in theory at least, were moved out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone looking back would go, no, we need the Irish jokes yeah, back. Yeah. You know, I don't, well, given that I said the word <laughs> Irish anyway, <laughs> different sort of joke. Um, so things change. Mm. Society changes. Yeah. What people will accept, and I, I was saying earlier, you know, uh, even looking back at Mock the Week 10 years ago, seven white guys looks wrong now. Right. Mm. And at the time there was some, yeah, yeah, you know, why yeah, should we change yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, now it, we accept that. Yeah. So some of the things that are happening are good. Like uh, I saw, this just doesn't happen to me very often. I, I tried out some stuff in a club where everyone was under 30, basically. Mm. And... Uh, Someone did their act and it was fine. It was a young girl. And then she spoke about mental health for five minutes towards the end of her act. That was fine. Got a massive round of applause at the end. Mm. Good for her. We talk about mental health now. If that had happened when I started, you would have lasted 20 seconds. Wow. Mm. Interesting. Because no one would have heard it. Now, are we saying, are we saying that that's bad as well? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was something about the alternative circuit that was quite political, and in, yes, there was no sexism, no racism, 
but it was quite brutal at the same yeah. time. Cynical almost. So there's, yeah. there's an edge both ways. And, uh, I mean, I think in the end, um, cancelling will eat itself because, you know, how far back, you know, we're getting shorter and shorter right. gaps to how far back we go now. Mm. And in the end, it will be unworkable. I do think, though, that you've got to let people say what they think or what they say what they want to say, and by all means disagree with it, but you won't. You'll just force them underground mm. if you don't let them say it. Yeah. Is there... When, oh, forgive my ignorance, but when you said the alternative comedy circuit, yeah. what kind of acts are you... What kind of acts were, was that at the time? Uh, well... It depends where it's be it begins in the 80s. This is before right, my okay. time yeah. um, doing it. And it was a sort of reaction to the mainstream entertainment industry, which mm. was very bow tie and my wife, my wife sort of jokes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was quite political in that it was, it was mixed up with the was, miners' was strike. Sort of ben Elton type of stuff. Ben Elton, kind of Thatcher yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Quite political. Okay. Um, Alexi Sale. That's Very sweary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and eventually the, the alternative bit was dropped. Mm -hmm. It just became comedy. It, as those it, guys got That older. became the mainstream almost. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, that was where the young people were. Mm. And so as the young people became older people, middle-aged people, mm. and had money to go and watch people on tour, so it was the mainstream. Yeah. Do, do you think we're kind of – evolving into a new stage now what and what is it potentially know? um yeah we need some kids to go away and become the alternative again right and what's interesting people like barry cryer and bob monkhouse when we came in i was sort of at the very end of alternative mm. comedy they were really encouraging mm. and took the view that funny is funny however there were others who were like this isn't funny Mm. I don't get this. This mm. doesn't, you know. So I think they were scared about losing work, apart from mm. anything. Um, but I want, I want to try and be one of the good guys, if you like, <laughs> and say, come on in, it's just yeah. funny, it's funny. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's quite important uh, because, uh, for instance, social media has changed a lot of things. So there, there are actually a lot of Instagrammers coming on comedy bills now. Oh, mm. yeah, sure. Mm. And it's tempting you know, because they bring their own audience as yeah, well. Yeah. So the promoter's yeah, really happy. Of course, yeah. And we've never heard of them. And yet <laughs> hundreds of people have come to see them. Yeah. And they may even have a bit in their act. Do you remember when I did this photo? Right. And my mum was in the background. They go, yeah, everybody. Is this comedy? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, But it's not illegitimate if all those people like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it would be wrong and churlish to go, no, go back to my jokes. <laughs> You know, sometimes you meet someone who say they're not laughing at my jokes as if the audience should laugh at your jokes. <laughs> you need to write some new jokes. Mm. Or just move with the times, otherwise you become a dinosaur. Are there any young comedians who excite you in that regard now? I'm slightly out of the loop of the circuit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, James Acaster would talk yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say he's sort of, he's broken through now and mm. he speaks for that generation him and some others. Yeah. In fact, Nish Kumar was my other support act. Oh, he's so great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we thank you 
before Nish Kumar and James Acaster. Well, I'm not you sure. You can take can, all the credit. No, I'm not taking the blame either. <laughs> um, yes, no, but it's great to see. Uh, New people break through yes. with their own voice. That's yes. the thing. Mm. Sometimes people break through, and you go, "Well, I've sort of heard that voice before." Mm. Um, but James, yeah, you know, has is James Acaster voice. Yeah, those are the two comedians as well who have very explicitly hit back at the likes of Ricky Gervais for mm. some of his jokes, which is interesting. And I think perhaps what I think maybe comedy has the power to hurt people in a particular way one because it's quite a unique opportunity where else do you get to tell the mm. truth dancing like that's sure. a privilege but I think also so much of comedy is about belonging mm. and you know you kind of touched on it with the Michael McIntyre references is what happens is we there's there's comedy in our shared experiences which we've been tricked into thinking are mundane and individualistic sure. and there's not much in common with any of us and we're you know we're all mm. just kind of bumping into each other there's nothing that binds us and comedy just does away with that and yeah, it also yeah. does away with it in the room it creates a we sure. belong to this room yeah, yeah. we belong to this night you know we belong to the comedian and the comedian to us yeah. and then all of a sudden a group is excluded from that. Oh, yeah. but not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the joke is actually at your expense. Sure. So actually now we're going to laugh at you and any feeling yeah, of belonging yeah, yeah, yeah. you walked in with, yeah. consider it gone. Do you think that that's sort of why people get so... I don't think het ups are fear, weird, upset, genuinely hit by, you know, sort mm. of certain comedians. Yes, I mean, it depends who we're talking about because some people deliberately wind up, mm. you know, they... they go out to say the most sure. um, offensive things deliberately, sure. and that's on the ticket. Yeah, right. okay. And that's kind of the act. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. For people then to take offence, go, well, what were you expecting? Why did you go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. don't, don't go to the Book of Mormon if you don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. want the Book oh, of Mormon kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was great, though. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes um, but yes, the, if they pick on a minority. But again, that's the context thing. Sometimes... Uh, it's important to talk about something and even your fears about mm. it, but you can do it in such a way that isn't bullying. Mm. Yeah. And it's quite hard unless you're in the... Well, to be honest, one audience member can take thing, something one way and another one can take it another way. Mm. And I've had jokes previously that I've stopped doing because... Certain members of the audience took it the wrong way. It's hard to say without explaining what it is. I mean, you can cut this out if you want. But um, <laughs> I used to have a joke. Mm. Um, tricky, isn't it? If you're in a mosque and everyone's praying and you really enjoy leapfrog. Oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay. Which worked really well until I did somewhere, probably Essex, and someone said, yeah, tell them. Right, yeah. right, um, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. That wasn't that, that's the not, joke. That's not No, yeah. no, no, no. That's not to, what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just about, oh, forget it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So at that point, you're wondering whether to continue with it just because there was an idiot. Right. It's quite hard to work out sometimes. You just go with the majority or now this is too... As you say, it's a kind of... It, it is so, in a sense, subjective, contextual mm. comedy kind of you, you might think oh it's you know it's just about making people laugh but it's it everyone sort of has their yeah filter and their kind of limit or their the thing that for them is sure i mean they, they often say don't they that that ultimately it's about 
punching up rather than punching down. Yep. Do you do you agree with that kind of way of defining? Yeah, generally, but there's a grey area in between okay. that some people think. Well, maybe it's how tall they are. <laughs> you know, in terms of what's punching up and what's punching down, is they're punching sideways. You yeah, know? yeah. It depends because because minorities, if you like, call them that sort of on the way up and on the way down yeah, yeah. through the news. Who's and, to be through, the judge of, of who's who's above and yeah. who's below. So yeah, that's where sure. I, I would, I know I, yeah. I'm a bit desensitised, mm. but I would say, what was the tone of that? Was that was there a nastiness to that? I can, mm. don't know. So, but I would give the comedian the benefit of the doubt, you see, because yeah. being part of that union. Because <laughs> you can see the inner workings yeah. and... Yeah. You know they're going to be asked. These are just words. What yeah, is basically, this? Basically, yeah, that, that's all it is. <laughs> oh well, it has been such a joy. Thank you. Such a joy <laughs> to chat to you, and we could chat for another hour about we this. Could, I think we could. Um, if people want to catch you, where 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 are you going to be touring? I will be doing a tour from September. A show called Har Milton, and. It, ha, ha Milton, ha. like H A Milton. Exclamation mark Milton. Quite similar to the Hamilton poster. To I be see. Honest. Ah, one of those things that yeah, you should see written of, down. See yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you there with a big standing on a star? With a microphone. Wonderful. Ah, so you excellent. completely ripped them off. Yeah, Great. Basically, don't tell them. <laughs> um, so that's from September. Um, a radio series goes out in April, I think. Thanks a lot, Milton Jones. Mm hmm. Um, Which is what? Se what season of that show? Well, is this six, time? but we've done overall. That will be the fifteenth. Yeah, wow. yeah, I was thinking. Mm. You're a long timer. Nineteen ninety eight started. Cool. Do you feel like you'll still be telling jokes, sort of, you know, when they put you in the coffin? <laughs> Possibly. Yes, I think it becomes an obsession after a while. Um, yeah, probably. I, I need to work out something for my gravestone as well. That would be... Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Spike Milligan, sort of. I told you I was ill. <laughs> and yeah. presumably they'll need comedians in heaven, you know. Well... <laughs> Won't be out of a job. I don't, yeah, I guess so. That's one of those existential... Yeah. <laughs> ...questions we're going down now. Yeah, it is. But I, I just think this is the nursery. And when we get to the secondary school or even get a proper job oh, yeah. <laughs> all round, yeah. you know, in heaven, yeah. it'll be on such a four-dimensional scale that jokes will be like Lego. Do you think? Do you yeah. think we'll think, oh, my gosh, we, we've never laughed before? <laughs> Not yeah, like this. I think everything will be up to 11. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. nice. Thank you very much for... Uh, Reenchanting laughter with us, Milton, <laughs> on this edition of the show. Yeah, I've loved every second of it. Yeah, Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.